Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time, a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, you the Grinch now? That's a great shirt. <laughs> I mean... I feel like you got to be festive in your own way. I am the Grinch in my household. Everybody <laughs> like, loves it a little more than I do. Oh, uh, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not big on the Christmas. No, nah, I mean it's fine. I'm, I'm on the spirit. It's just that you, the, I see a lot of things that are the same color as this shirt going up in flames this time of year, every year, <laughs> and it is stress. It stresses me out. So this is my little silent protest. Are you afraid of them to be happy? I love them to get. Oh. Oh, 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 yeah, they get, and then it's like, you can push back on rational financial decisions, but it's like, but it's for the holidays, it's the memories, you got to get everybody something, it's just not how my wife's family was a little different than my family, where once you got to a certain age, you wasn't getting shit, like, it was Dog. fine, it was fine, Dog. you wasn't getting shit. That's the thing, bro, like, I love Christmas, but I'm a 43-year-old single man. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get whatever my parents got me when I go to the shack. And that's about it, dog. Like, like the Christmas receipt. Like, no, no, it's not going down. It's a little sad when you think about it as a way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I look at all like the yes. Christmas stuff, and I like I really, really, really did Christmas. This is this is my bag. And like as my parents get older and don't have as much gas as they used to, that's one of the things the Christmas don't kind of go the way it used to, all of that stuff, so forth and so on. But man, I admit that this 43-year-old project of not having no kids, it would make Christmas a little bit more fun if I hadn't been so diligent <laughs> on that end. If I hadn't been so, if I hadn't done a such a bit, good job. Just a little bit more willy-nilly. You would have a little bit more magic in your Christmas right now. That's right. That's right. Instead, <laughs> yeah, I got like own. one of them streaks. He done scored in double figures every game for how long? You know what I mean? Like, no, I showed up. I did what I was supposed to do every time. The uh, the tough thing about being this age at Christmas, being a man at this age at Christmas is, I mean, I guess it's anybody, an adult, because like I mentioned, my family, like we bought each things for kids. And then we got to like certain age and then we stopped buying a whole bunch of presents. We still enjoy the holiday, whatever, with our family. But with my wife's family, they buy gifts for everybody, like adults buy gifts for other adults and the whole family. Like it's a big thing. And like in order to buy people things at a, at a certain age, people buy the stuff they want except for like the stuff that they can't afford. So you only know so much about the people in your family. You know, like three things about anybody. The further they get away, you know, one thing. Yeah. So everybody end up getting the person the same damn book. They get her the same colors t-shirt. It is just like, I guess it's the thought that counts and a reason to get together, but it just feels like such a foolish endeavor. I'm about to get 12 books on the 25th <laughs> and I ain't going to read not one of them. They all going to be about football <laughs> or some black something or something else that I'm not going to read none of them, but I'm going to get them. Oh, uh, dog. Yeah. Cause the Joneses aren't really like the giftiest people. It's not really like, you know, that, that's yeah. not really our bad. My sister every year get me a book with some sports theme in it. Right. One year yeah. she didn't look close enough at the book before she bought it to realize <laughs> that she bought me a book that I was in. Like a book, a book that I I had contributed an essay for. Like I, I remember, she should have spun the, it. She should have spun it. Yeah, like, yeah, that's why I got it. I opened up the book and I looked at it and I told my parents, "Oh, by the way, that reminds me, I was in the best of American sports writing this year." That's, that's how that's how they found out on Christmas morning, which I have to say was not the best way for me to tell my parents. It didn't come across with the celebratory tone that it probably should have. I love that she gave you an aspirational gift. Like if you if you get good enough, get your you can get up. in here. And you're like, oh, that was last year. Get your weight up. Get your weight up. Get your weight up. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout 
Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. But uh, we got uh, some NFL action going on. We got a few things to talk about here, but we want to start. The Buffalo Bills got off the mat by beating the Chiefs, who may not even necessarily be that good. But then you look up and realize the Bills have like a plus 100 point differential. They're not as bad as we may have thought that they were. And now they go play the Cowboys, who we have now convinced are as good as we want them to be, even though up until last week, all they was doing was beating up bums. So, I mean, you are somebody – I've had this conversation a bunch of times about point differential, weirdly enough, uh, on Get Up the last two weeks. And I think that some people don't understand what point differential is meant to measure. And I think they they push back on the conversation about the Eagles having a low point differential by saying, oh, no, it shows that they can win close games. Like, no, point differential is not a measure of how you do in close games. Point differential is like a crude way to measure, like, your team – how good your team is. Versus right? who they play so, against. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's a crude way of it's like early efficiency. Like, right. yeah, you go over the course of a bunch of games. Like, of course, week to week, game to game, it's hard to say, oh, this team is so good. This team is so bad. But over the course of what we at 12 weeks of the season by now or excuse me, 14 weeks of the season by now. Yeah, you got a good feel for how good your team is based on a point differential. And the one that you already brought it up, the Bills. That's the only one that surprised me. Like, I, I felt like everything else was fair. And even if you play bad teams, it's the NFL. These teams aren't that bad, as we see by what happened last Monday night. And happens every weekend. They aren't that bad. So you get a good point differential, even against bad teams. You whoop in their ass, you're a pretty damn good team. But see, that also gets us back to that Sean McDermott article series that Tyler Dunn did. Like, Oof. everybody locked in on the 9-11 part. And I was really disappointed that the other people who locked in on 9-11 couldn't do it like me and you. We was just laughing. I can't believe that man had to apologize and, and explain what kind of person he was. No, man, he's just clumsy, right? But... <laughs> the, there are so many other parts of that article that were interesting because it's basically making the case top to bottom that Sean McDermott is the problem there with that team and that the ceiling that they have is created by him. And one of those parts, I think I read it on the podcast last week that he pointed out was the first person to get the blame on this is going to be Ken Dorsey. And we saw Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, get fired. But then you looked at all the numbers about the offense and they were all pretty good. Now, the other part about McDermott, though, that becomes interesting is one of the criticisms that Dunn makes of him in that piece is that you just got to ride the roller coaster with Josh Allen and McDermott coaches as though he's afraid of Josh Allen. And I got to say, I understand both sides of the argument on that one. I would be terrified of Josh Allen if my money depended on him too. But if he had made me all that money, I also understand the argument that maybe I just need to ride along with him. Yeah, I mean, it's like the people who got in on Bitcoin. It went way up, went, went back down some, but overall, they probably feel it pretty good if they got out. It's like, that's what it feels like. But the, the McDermott thing, it felt to me, and this might be a little bit like inside the industry conversation, but immediately, I think you and I probably texted about this, like, oh, or at least I assumed that this was something that Tyler Dunn had been sitting on waiting for someone to say it was okay to run with. And it seemed to me like, oh, this is higher-ups framing the argument for why a coach who's had a lot of success there has to get fired this season. This is why they're leaking the story now. And then I talked to some people, and they're like, no, we don't think that. Other people are like, oh, maybe it's one of these disgruntled people who've been let go despite the fact that they feel like they are not to blame talking about it. So I think that changes the dynamic. It always could be, because I, I don't know, I think about reporters, we assume reporters get information and they tell it. You know, I, they are managing relationships, and they can get information and hold it. They can tell it and they can share it. So I am so confused about where this team is going, what they're trying to do. And it does kind of feel like whether they make the playoffs and make a run or not is whether they decide to stick with McDermott or well, not. Yeah, let me tell you this about the series, because I think your point was a valid one, like the timing of it as it was. very like When you get like the local columnist who just puts out a 600-word item and is like, yo, time's up. Like I remember with Les Miles, whoever the local columnist of record was in Baton Rouge 
right before the end of, I guess, I forget exactly which season it was. It wasn't the year he got fired. Because remember, we thought he was getting fired, and then they beat Texas A&M, and somehow the fans yep. started clapping loud enough, and they brought him back just to fire him in the middle of the next season. But that season where we thought he was going to get fired, you read the column, and it was clear. Oh, okay, the button has been pushed on him. Dunn is somebody working for himself who's doing a newsletter that, by the way, is really, really good. Like, I recommend to people, if you are trying to figure out how to get your own thing cracking, subscribe to his and see what he's got going on. Because it's like a really thorough look at largely between the Packers and the Bills because those are teams that he's covered. But, I mean, he's got like a podcast with Brett Favre. He goes back with Bob McGinn and they look at draft, like look at the draft profiles of the quarterbacks now to see how the stuff matches up. Like, it's a lot of stuff. But he says... He talked out 20-something people in working on that story. And that story, I forget how many thousands of words it is, but it's a part one, a part two, and a part three. That was not – the people on high were not like, hey, could you give us a thorough yeah. review of what's going on with the team and release it when the time is right? No, that's not what that was. <laughs> the timing just happened Fair to be point. what it was. And the conclusion that he came to, what's wrong with this team? One man – who, by the way, one man – and this is going to get us to a fun part. Well, actually, I'm going to wait to the fun part. I'm going to make this point right fast. Whoever wins between the Cowboys and the Bills is going to be treated as the best team in their conference. Whoever loses in that is going to be called a bum. 53 bums. <laughs> I, no, I mean, the Cowboys, the, the Bills, for sure. The Cowboys, I think that win last week, they, they get the classic stave. They stay. They earned a stave. They're going to stave them off for one more week talking about their bums because they've gone on such a good stretch. And because Josh Allen, it kind of feels like he is just – because you earlier you're talking about how good is this team. We thought that they weren't that good. Then we look at the point differential. Like, yeah, it's just Josh Allen, guys. Like, it's <laughs> as, as clear as it has ever been for any team that is – a football team is obviously dependent on a bunch of players, but no team, I think, in the league swings as wildly based on the way that the quarterback is playing than this team. So that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to be like if they lose, it's because Josh Allen ain't blackout because they are not as good as the Cowboys, and they aren't as good as a bunch of the teams that they face, but – Josh Allen having himself a little bit of a season. But that's why I'm saying that's why I'm saying right right there. If the Cowboys lose to a team that ain't actually that good. And by the way, it's a yeah. road game. And that point differential that you and I are talking about, it is heavily skewed toward home. We cannot miss that part. Like I want to say there's something like a plus 107 at the crib. And uh no, it's higher than that. It's something crazy, like plus 167 or something like that at the crib, and a plus eleven on the road. Like like, Especially for the Cowboys this year. I feel like they, they got like a couple 50-point wins at home. Well, they also took that spanking to the 49ers on the road, right? Yeah. You know, Ugh. so, you know, it's a, it's a little skewed. So if the Cowboys lose that to this team, the people, damn, Dominique, they ain't all as advanced as us, right? Like, they ain't looking at point differential like me and you. They just going to be like, you lost to the Bills who we thought was sorry a couple weeks ago, and then we go dispose of that whole sorry thought about the Bills, and you're going to be on TV with Bills best in AFC, question mark, on the yeah. screen right below yeah. your face. Yeah, I had a hard time. I've been fighting against that for a while, but then people start throwing around a point differential, which is something that I tend to respect, and it's hard for me to buck up against the point differential. But I'd be like, I'll be watching, no. And this is not a great football team, but what it comes down to is, and this is probably one of the best arguments for the Cowboys too, ain't nobody else out there that's that good. It's the 49ers, and everybody else on both sides are not great. Like, the Cowboys are good, but they don't feel like, they are just great, like the way the Eagles felt last year. That, that team don't exist right now. What can happen with the Cowboys, though, is every now and then they got they got flash guys, right? Like Michael Parsons. You turn on Michael Parsons, you're just like, oh, my God. I can't believe they let you play with the other kids. How is this allowed? <laughs> it's the same thing with uh with Cooks on occasion. It's like every now and then he's just like, meow. like Yo, oh. does, does he struggle getting along with his uh, peers? I don't know why he'd been on so many teams balling everywhere he went. I know he had that concussion situation a while ago that we just was like, oh, no, nah, his brain fine. But somebody's always ready to trade him and somebody's always ready to take him. And maybe it's because he falls right in that 
1B no man's land where it's like, hey, if you're going to keep me, you're going to have to pay me like a number one. And then they look at him and like, but bro, you ain't a number one. And so he but he's like, you ain't going to pay me like no number two. All right. Well, you got to go then. That's the best thing I can come up with. Either that or people's fear of long term commitment to a guy who has had. Uh, enough concussions that we should be worried about him getting hit again. Yeah, they all sell high. Every team in the league is sold high on this dude. Like, I was like, that's yeah. like five of them I can name. I was watching him out there with the Cowboys. I'm like, damn, who is that number three? And then they said Brandon Cooks. So I was like, damn, again? <laughs> Everywhere. Everywhere he go, he's a problem. That's the one of the things that I, there's a few like core things that I look for in a football team that I'm going to like. Or not even like like personally, but like in a, in a game. And you need somebody that's going that's going. And this is my defensive back bias. You're gonna have to put somebody out there that's gonna run past me, or I will not respect you for nothing. That's this one of this one of my issues with the um, Detroit Lions is yeah, I love Amon Ra too. Mixing it up in there, getting open, getting his little slot thing on. But I'm gonna need y'all to develop Williamson before I'm gonna be like, yeah, you guys are a serious outfit. I'm gonna need y'all to develop that in a pass rush. Two things they don't got. They got the O line though, which is important. Now, I want to get on something back with the Bills Cowboys game because we talked about that. And then you mentioned um what's his name? Uh San Francisco, Brock Purdy. We mentioned him. Oh, yeah. We threw another quarterback in there, but this all came together. In something Cam Newton had to say on his podcast, which by the way is interesting because Cam in his NFL career, like I guess he just ain't so much built for the press conference setting because that man was out there doing things with the language, boy. He was putting any old words together. He was the Yogi Berra of uh, of, yeah. of the NFL. Now he's out here, he'd be giving relationship advice and everything else on his podcast, but he, here he is wearing quite the getup talking about quarterbacks. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, obviously Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Brack Parody, like, but Brock, let's, they're not winning because of him. He's not turning the ball over. He's managing the game. And if we were to put that in its own right as game managers, Brock, Parody, Tua Tonga Valoa, Jared Goff, and really Dak Prescott. Mm. These are game managers. They're, they're not difference makers. And when you say game manager, I'm not asking you to go out and win the game. I'm just asking you not to lose. Not to lose the game. That's, listen, motherfucker, I don't give a damn what you do. You don't have to score every time. You just don't have to throw a pick every time either. If we're going to really call a spade a spade, a game manager is different than a game changer. All right, now, Dominique, I was watching Get Up when y'all got this. And you and Kimberly Martin, I felt like y'all, I felt like y'all was be, be a little unfair, spicy to my boy Cal. Yo, yo. So yeah, I, I mean, Kimberly no, got you, you it called much him a worse clown than chaser. me. Yeah, that's what he was doing. <laughs> I mean, you you put you put that moniker on there, clown chaser. No, that man was promoting a podcast. That's what he been. That's what Micah Parsons been doing all year. When they get on Get Up, it's because they want to get on Get Up. Cam Newton, I believe him and Micah Parsons and other people who have podcasts. As someone who has a podcast, I recognize that if I said some spicy shit, it's gonna get people to show up, and maybe I can get them to stay. Cam Newton, I assume that he was being strategic because I found what he said to just be as absurd as the fit. And that's that's another amazing trick is that he's gotten us to the point where we ain't even losing our minds over the fact that he got on a sweater, a popped collar, a tie, overalls, and a, I don't know what kind of hat. No, it's all about hat, the hat. Else, weird... to, to me, I ain't got past the hat. Like, like to me, it was it was all about the hat. Like, it looked like in that hat, when you walk, you got to have something. It got to be something to it. Like, you either got to be out here <laughs> doing high knees, you know what I'm saying, or some variety of shuffle. <laughs> Yeah, it it feel it does feel like a a hat that you only put on for an occasion. Like that, that's why I said conductor because it feel like a hat that you you put that on because you work somewhere specific or you put that on because we are at some sort of special celebration. But that is the drawback of being incredibly talented and handsome and six five and muscular. You feel like you can't do nothing wrong, so you write in wingdings and wear wingdings as a as an outfit style. All right, now let me let me ask you though why you thought what he said was absurd. Okay, I think that I've given it some more thought, and I don't think what he said was absurd, but I think that he was not clear in what he was saying because I think what he was making a distinction between 
pocket path- passers and uh, the like more athletic, more dynamic players that are more similar to the way that he played. And that way it makes sense. But what he actually said was a couple of guys who are really, really good and are obviously in integral parts of their offense. Well, actually just one specifically, Dak Prescott. You can't say that they send in Dak out there and asking him not to lose the game when he is throwing the ball as much as he ever has, putting up stupid great numbers, attacking deep down the field. Like game manager is something that we put on Trent Dilfer. Like we've gotten away from the truth of what a game manager is. That's why it feels like an insult because no disrespect to Trent Dilfer, but they were like, look, our defense will win this, Trent. Don't lose it. Just manage it. Don't turn it over. We don't need you to convert on third downs. Just get us in field goal range three or four times. That's it. And if you look at Dak Prescott and frankly Brock Purdy too, and and you come out, come across or you come out of that thinking that those guys are doing the same thing, that to me is as absurd as anything he had on his body. Okay, now. There is a certain irony, by the way, that Trent Dilfer is always the example of the game manager, because if you remember anything about the way that Trent Dilfer actually played football, he was not a game manager. He was a poor decision maker and he was a poor decision maker on the Ravens, too. That defense was just so good (laughs) that even Trent Dilfer could win a Super Bowl playing with them. I remember. I yes. was in Baltimore at the time, so yes. I, I'm sorry to reframe it that way. You are absolutely yeah. right. 14, I mean, no, no, I know what you were saying, though, because people, he is the example yeah. that people bring up. Now, what they I, won the Super Bowl. Yeah. What I felt like we were talking about, actually, you know what? Here's a great example of a game manager 2015 Peyton Manning, <laughs> specifically that Peyton Manning, right? Like when he, when, he, when, he, when he didn't have a neck anymore. Right. Yeah. And he couldn't get he couldn't get it done. But they could there were things that they could do. Like he had fourth quarter comeback drives where he was throwing balls that wasn't even spiraling. But still somehow they were getting it done because he could execute at such a level. You know what I mean? And you can't you can't use that as the analogy and also pretend like it's not an insult. No, no, no. I'm trying to. It's not an insult. I'm saying that. Yes, it is. I'm saying, that, okay, let me get back to where I was trying to go because you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I can't really, I can't really push back. This is what I, this is what I felt like Cam was saying because I felt like a lot of us brought our baggage of the term game manager in there, right? Cam was basically saying it's cats like me, and it's cats that's not like me, and not even necessarily in the hating sense of it because game manager to me, I think as you just pointed out is not simply on a sliding scale of how good you are, right? right? You could make an argument that say somebody like Drew Brees was a game manager if your argument is what you're asking the game manager to do is execute, right? We right. got this going, we got that going, da-da-da, and we are going to ask you to come out here and do the right thing. That's what, that's what you're asking of the game manager. Whether you think he's good or not, whatever, somebody that does the right thing. Cam juxtaposed that against the game changer, which is a force of nature, which is what Josh Allen right. is, which is what Cam Newton was. Lamar, yes. Patrick Mahomes are people that, yeah, that but, are just, yeah, I agree with but, that. But hold on, let me say Sorry. this, though. I bet you, though, that if you ask Cam Newton if, say, Matthew Stafford was a game manager, he would say no, because they asking Matthew Stafford to throw these dudes open. They're not saying if everything's right, you, you know— the 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 play is a multiple choice test and we try to see if you hit a b c d or e cam this is an essay question dog and i just get out here and i write (laughs) and i write and i write until i get the right answer that's what i felt like he was saying dak prescott to me is a high level executor but you're not saying the way that buffalo says to josh allen we're jumping on your back go win this game it ain't the same as how they ask Dak to win games, even if they ask Dak to win games. Does that make sense? No, I, it makes sense. And you are doing what I started to do at the beginning of this and say that he, and you're using different terminology and, and it's slightly different meaning. But I think that the best way to give a reading on this is he's talking about style, not about quality. But that's not true. If you, if you want to play the clip again, we can. You hear it in there. He calls us motherfuckers. He is making it quite clear that he is putting a, a line 
between how good these players are. And he don't get to make up his own context. While game manager, maybe we believe that it shouldn't mean that you're not very good. It's come to mean that you are not very good. And so if the only way that you can change games is by by writing essay questions, then okay. But I am here to argue that you can change games by consistently making the right decision. And that's not that's not what Patrick Mahomes does. That's absolutely not what Josh Allen does. And obviously, Lamar Jackson does something completely different from anybody we've ever seen. But you can also change games by consistently making the right decision and also doing incredible things with your arm. And that's the thing that I feel like gets lost sometimes because the accuracy of like uh, Lamar, excuse me, of Dak Prescott, definitely not Lamar. Lamar's accuracy stresses me out. But of Dak Prescott, those are game-changing throws. And it's the same thing as throwing people open as uh, as you mentioned with Stafford. So that's the thing that we just got to be honest. You're right. And maybe he just sees the world differently, but it is through his prism. And it's not saying they do it differently. He's saying the way that I do it is better. And these dudes is like me. You see, I don't know if he's I, I think there's something to the argument that he's saying that the way that I do it is better. As much as the way that I do it is the harder. <laughs> like, I think the thing he's yeah, saying is it's a lot more okay. cats that can do what they do. They can't do yeah. that. That Agreed. motherfucker went to the Super Bowl <laughs> with Ted Ginn as his number one wide receiver. Like the Cam Newton era, he's not going to make the Hall of Fame. Right. I understand this. But if you watch them just basically be like, hey, man, you got it. I mean, this dude won a national championship in college without another professional on the offense. They went undefeated in the SEC without another professional on the offense. And he's like, yo, me? Game changer. And by the way, never once complained about the fact that they have nobody out there with him because he thought he should be cold enough to do it regardless. And that's what I think yeah. the delineation is that right. he's making between these people. So, I and and I think what it got out of hand and like uh, people were acting wild online towards Kimberly and whatever and Kimberly said part of it was because I made a face I I, I had been getting better with making my faces <laughs> sometimes I get in trouble when people say ridiculous things and I make a face so I've been getting better but she went at that man's neck she, she, she said he was I hating from think, the sideline and that was that yeah, was, I would which, not have taken that approach yeah it's fine she 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 um. I think that you you uh, the rest of the context of her comments were a little bit different, but whatever. The point is, she's fine. We fine. We gonna make it. Um, I would say that what happened and in and implied in what she was saying and the way that people reacted to it was a lot of like it felt like disrespect to Cam. And we can do two things: we can say Cam, you wrong, and we can say Cam, you are incredible because I think that's. The actually, that's the right place to land is Cam. You are incredible and you are right. If we drop Dak Prescott in that situation, who else he mentioned? Purdy, golf. He is absolutely right. Drop them in that situation. It's going to be a mess. Right now, it's a mess in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes is great and he is in a not so supportive situation. So I think that's the point he was trying to make is if you drop Cam into uh, Brock Purdy's situation, I think he's saying that he could do that, but you can't do it the other way, which is a fine, fair point to make. But what I do want to stop right now is people suggesting that just because you can't do it, you can't criticize it. What the hell uh, am I supposed to do for a living? Like, I was a decent cornerback, but I'm still going to get on here and talk bad about Jared Goff turning the ball over. So it's just funny to watch all these people who have never played professional football get mad at Cam Newton. Like, you just mad because you wasn't good enough. He was pretty damn good. <laughs> all right, man. Coming up next, I'm going to talk to y'all about an NFL great I saw something about on TV the other day on The Right Time. Prize Picks is the most fun you can have by winning up to 25 times your money this football season, and now you can play during basketball season too. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. And with the NBA back, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. 
Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And if you stick around for the end of the show, you'll get to hear some picks from producer Sean that can either help you win or make you fail miserably. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash Bomani and use code Bomani for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Bomani. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, uh, Dominique, did you, uh, I don't know if you saw any of the Reggie White 30 for 30 the other night. Oh, yeah, I, I caught some of it. I ain't watched the whole thing, though. No. Yeah, I didn't watch it all either. I didn't know it. Like, I saw something late that it was going to be all, and I can't, I got to be honest, I couldn't tell if it was going to be a one-hour 30 for 30 or a two-hour 30 for 30, because those mean different things, right? Like a two-hour, I'd have strapped on, I'd have been ready for it, but then I looked up, and I didn't realize it was coming on, but I turned it on, and I watched it, and I got to the part basically right where he started in Green Bay. But what made it the best, I don't know if you watched this part, but I heard the Humpty Dance playing in the background, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I know what that means. And they did a whole thing. All Reggie White had oh. this thing called the hump move. And if you don't understand what the hump move was, you know how in wrestling they would hit cats with the Irish whip? The fakest thing in wrestling, by the way, is the Irish whip. So they hit the dude with the Irish whip, and he comes off the ropes, and then you get to the side, and you give him that hip toss. Hip toss. Yep, that's exactly what That's what Reggie White was doing with 300-pound men who were not did not have all the momentum of the Irish whip. They were just trying to block Reggie White. And Reggie White would get him going one direction and then, without using his hand, just get him right here with the forearm and just toss their asses up in the air and run past them. And by the way, not just the bums. He did it to Larry Allen one time. It was when America met Larry Allen. And John Madden, I'll never forget, John Madden was calling the game. And John Madden had the clicker. I don't know why people don't use the clicker no more. But John Madden used to hit that clicker to boom. And it would just be the ooh. Ah, ooh, ah, to be jumping in back and forth. And it was just Larry Allen getting tossed on his big ass. Beep, ba, boop, ba, boop, ba. And I just laughed and giggled and enjoyed myself so much watching Reggie White hit people with that toss. The most impressive thing about that is did he create it? Because I don't, I mean, if he didn't create it, he perfected it. And it's not a move in this modern era of like all these elaborate uh, pass rush moves. It's not one that we see very often. So, like, I would like to watch the – I watch those things and I, like, try to think about it. Like, oh, yeah, he's getting their weight going one way and he's using the momentum. Yeah, he's strong. However, it's a lot of momentum. Why ain't nobody else doing it? <laughs> that dude was – you know, like, why they, Why ain't nobody else the hump move? Like, I, I see people throw by. I see people swim. I see people power rush. And I'm sure somebody's doing it, like – I mean, Miles Garrett has to be strong enough to pull off a hump move, but there is something about him doing it where you just don't see. Am I just wrong? Like, I, don't, I feel like when we see compilations of modern people's sacks and there's nothing about like it's not illegal. It's not a head slap. Like, it's nothing about it that can't be replicated. One of the most effective pass rush moves ever is, I don't know, rarely used, I guess, just because I don't know that nobody's using it, but rarely used. And he just made a career out of it. God, that was my exact thought when I was watching it is nobody else seems to do this. Like, I think Howie <laughs> Long did it back in the day. I just sent a text to Chris okay. to see if I got that right. But otherwise, that's still just two people, which implies to me that others have tried to do this. And all they got out yeah. of it was a hernia. Right. Like they was like, watch this. <laughs> I'm going to toss this big old dude. And then they went up and was like, Ugh. <laughs> stop right there and like, just it's so simple it's just so straight to the point like that was the other thing about reggie white was reggie white did not look like an incredible athlete right like miles garrett mm. i mean you look at miles garrett you see what time it is i'm assuming reggie white lifted weights and all this but he was like 290 running a four six how oh my yeah, I mean, prayer, I guess. <laughs> Jesus led the way for him because that's the way that he would explain it. I don't know how. You're right. You look at Reggie White and you're like, oh, okay, run stuffer. No, it's not, <laughs> it's not what he is going to do. He is going he's gonna to finesse his way around it. And even when you watch him play, it's not even looking at his build. You watch him play and none of it looks like 
incredibly uniquely explosive. He's just really efficient with the way that he moves his body, which is a type of intelligence that doesn't get appreciated. But it's definitely your brain, your brain doing something that other people's brains can't do. And yeah, and he was special, man. They showed that, that I saw when he got those back-to-back sacks in the Super Bowl, I saw that. And I watched a little bit of the early portions, too, where they did more about his religious journey and um, Dwayne Brown's situation all that stuff. That was – it was a two-hour 30 for 30, and there's enough context or enough content there to make a really interesting story, whereas I think a lot of – since, like, the golden era of 30 for 30, a lot of them has been more straightforward sports stories. Yeah. And this one felt like it was more complicated than that. Well, what also struck me about it – in watching the parts that I saw was how famous Reggie White was in a way that I don't know if it's possible for like a defensive lineman to be famous. Like we have made this such a quarterback situation like yeah. that Brett Favre, that's Brett Favre's one Super Bowl. Like without that, we're talking mm-hmm. about Brett Favre, kind of like we talk about Dan Marino, except worse because Brett Favre was throwing the ball all over the place. Right. But even without Reggie White winning Super Bowl MVP, Desmond Howard won it. That was Reggie White's Super Bowl. Like the victory lap that he takes around the field with the trophy. We weren't really thinking about Brett Favre in any of those moments. That was all about Reggie White in a way that I don't know if it's possible. Like it was all about Ray Lewis with the Ravens, but again, Trent Dilfer. Like I don't I don't think it's possible for a defensive player to be a, of the magnitude in public that Reggie White was. I mean, and even in the Ravens' second Super Bowl run, it was a lot about Joe Flacco. I think it's about, like, the shifting of the league. If you, while we do glorify quarterbacks, and we did glorify quarterbacks then, and we do, I think we look back on the NFL with the glasses on that we use to look at today's NFL. But at the time, I, like, we talked about this before, running backs. My favorite player was Barry Sanders. We liked running backs. There was D Lyman we cared about. There were uh, Deion Sanders and Ronnie Lott. There were guys that felt like, and maybe I'm wrong, they felt like as big a stars, maybe not as big a stars as Joe Montana or the big name quarterbacks, but they were as big a stars as anybody else in the league. But yeah. now in the modern league, Tommy DeVito gets you a couple wins, and that man's a national treasure. <laughs> you just got to play the right position, throw it for 150. Well, I also think that it's hard for defensive players to make that name for themselves now like they used to, and that is because you are no longer allowed to just knock the cow walking shit out of people. Like, Roddy Lott can't become – you can't make Roddy Lott famous no more. When they put Steve Atwater in the Hall of Fame, I was like, I don't know how you going to show any of his highlights. <laughs> that stuff ain't allowed no more. <laughs> Yeah, we got we got a we got a feign sadness now <laughs> when we see those plays. <laughs> Cause back in the day, we was not sad. No, oh my no. gosh. Even when I was in high school, I knocked a kid out. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> and now I, I gotta go take a knee next to him. Yeah, now the prayer circle is new. That ain't that ain't always you remember when Warren sat uh broke Chad Clifton's pelvis? Oh gosh. And by the way, everybody acknowledged I, it was a really hard hit, but a clean play. Yeah. Yep. I, you know what pops into my mind is, and it maybe just because we're talking about the Ravens, but Sarah Gusa getting Rich Gannon's arm oh, in that yeah. playoff game. Oh, yeah. And that was definitely not a clean play. <laughs> but the way we reacted to it was like it was it was kind of smart, though. Can you imagine? We'd be pressing charges against that man this, these days. But maybe again, this was my Baltimore bias. But I remember people saying like, oh, that was dirty, but he. Cats are taking them never was the same hits. Uh, and Ray Lewis put one of those on Eddie George. Oh, gosh. Yep, he knocked his neck loose. <laughs> but knock your... He said that on TV with the was on Inside the NFL with Ray Lewis. He was like, yep. back in my day, I would just say, I'm going to knock your neck loose. I was like, what? My neck? What? <laughs> How do you even think of that? You've had to have done that before. That's not something that you come up with. Like, I'm going to knock you out. Yeah, I'm going to knock you out cold. That's something we say. Knock your neck loose. Imagine how proud Ray Lewis was. Some dude was on the ground and they were like, yo, what's wrong? You're like, my, my neck loose. My neck loose. I need y'all to tighten up my neck. My neck loose. What is the actual diagnosis? What do you like tear a neck muscle or dislocate a vertebrae? I don't know what, it, what knocking somebody neck loose is in a, uh, after the x-ray but i don't week, want to find week out 14 doubtful parenthesis loose neck close parenthesis. 
I ain't gonna lie, man. I miss super violent football. They wouldn't hit oh, me. Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> and I'm gonna be honest, these dudes gonna be broke up regardless. Like, not to say that. No, I sound terrible right now. I understand that, but yeah, yeah, no, 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 you good. But part of the allure is in the violence. Like we ha- we have to be honest about that. We lost something when we lost the violence. That's not to say you should keep the violence just to please me, right? But there are guys and things that we saw and that we remember and that we know that like defense is just a game of execution. There used to be like it, you never hear anybody. No, there's no receiver in the league now. We're like, what does he do? goes over the middle and makes the hard catches. It don't work like that no more. It used to be that was a skill. Going just being willing to run and in was a talent. Michael Irvin, don't let all that flashy fool you guys. Michael Irvin is here because he was willing to go over the middle and take punishment. Yeah, Alvin Harper was the one outside the numbers. Mike was willing to go inside the numbers. It ain't that they done cleaned up the streets now. It ain't that dangerous. They can you can walk around down there at night now. There was a time when you would not take your ass in the middle of the field at nighttime because there was goons out. They done gentrified the middle of the field. It's white folks oh. walking their dogs in the middle of the field now. I can't believe it. $12 coffee and everything <laughs> out there. They just got outdoor cafes just having a good time. That was the thing, though, I about think the thing about this, the stars is, like, highlights kind of make stars. Yes. And as I think about it, like, what's the safety highlight now? It doesn't translate as well. No. It's like an interception, good coverage. Like, it's not the same as an instant. Wagga-ba-bow! No. <laughs> that will make a highlight. And think about this. When, I, when, when Reggie White played for the Eagles, it's him and Jerome Brown and Clyde Simmons down there on the D-line. And back there was a dude named Andre Waters, whose nickname was Andre Dirty Waters. Now... I want to be honest about this. Andre Waters died, and when they checked out his brain, it was not it was not a positive situation. But his entire existence was just, I inflict punishment. That's it. I don't know who if he could cover, who he could cover, whether he tried. But it, you you did not – you ain't want that. There, there were a lot of players like that. I mean, and you already mentioned it on the other side of the ball, but there were players who, like, cover. For who? For what? I'm out here to 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 stand around and threaten anybody that might come to my part of town be in the middle of the field. We will we there are certain coverages that we don't have to call because just because I'm there, they're not running nothing they care about in there. They're not running nobody they care about down here because I'm standing here. This was a whole position, like a goon in hockey. You can't skate. You can, I mean you can skate. They can skate because they they had to be able to fight. They can't do nothing with the stick. They just out there to throw them hands. We had people whose position was scared the fuck out of the, the other team. Dog, I told you, I was driving home from New York. I drove from New York to Durham once, and I was trying to go to the soul food spot off Holloway Street. I didn't realize it was closed because it was Sunday. I go down there. It ain't there cool. I come back. Man, it's a dude standing on the corner by himself in a baseball jersey and some shorts. No, a T-shirt and some shorts with a baseball bat in his hand. Just standing there. I didn't know what was going on, but I drove faster. Right? I I I departed from that area quickly. That's there was it was dudes in the NFL that was that. I don't mean to one up you. I feel like I might have told you this before. Uh, my cousin <clears throat> lives in Detroit for the last like five or six years. I went out there to visit him. He like live in a suburb somewhere. And so we headed downtown to get something to eat. It's midday on uh, a weekend. It was before I was going to, I was headed to Canton. So I just stopped there, hanging with him. We're going down to get something to eat and we're driving in broad daylight. There is a man standing on the corner of a street in Detroit with no shirt on, just a like a tactical military <laughs> style or like black vest standing there with jeans, black vest, black baseball hat, very muscular guy arms ripped up, holding a handgun, standing on the corner. The light changed for him to walk. He ain't walk. He's standing there. What are we doing? Nobody called the police. There's people walking around him. Like, what are you guys accustomed to this? There's a lot of people in Detroit who would happily go over the middle and catch some balls back in the 90s because they wasn't scared of him. There's <laughs> no fear. Just, like imagine uh, being in the huddle and they call that play and you're like, hey, um, 
audible out of that, babe. Right? Like, right? Like, I, like, <laughs> yeah, well, I, can't, yeah, yeah, I yeah, called yeah, yeah. audible. Like, I see exactly how <laughs> this is gonna play out. That I'm like, because I told you I was watching Jalen Hurts play once, and he threw some pass over the middle, and I was like, oh. There's no such thing as a hospital ball anymore. Like, this is one of those that just kind of hung in the air to give the dude some time to get across the field and everything. And I'm like, oh, hospital balls don't exist. And for those of you who are like, what's a hospital ball? It's a ball that gets you sent to the hospital. That's what a hospital ball is. Like, oh, stretchers? A stretcher ball? <laughs> for those who, who know the route tree, yeah, we ain't running nothing, n- nothing negative, or excuse me, nothing even. No, evens are out. We ain't running nothing odd. I ain't running nothing odd on the route tree. Ones, threes, sixes? Oh, definitely not no dig. Oh, I'm good. Maybe I'll run an eight. I give you that post. But we ain't running nothing even on the route tree. I'm all odds. Let me go get the out. Come back. There's a dude named Jack Tatum who played for the Raiders. Because I got to remember, we got young people down that really don't know nothing about Jack Tatum. All you need to know is the title of Jack Tatum's autobiography was They Call Me Assassin. That man paralyzed somebody and refused to apologize for it. That was Jack Tatum, wasn't it? Yes, he was. With that. With Daryl Stegman. Yeah. Refused. Yeah. He refused refused to like feel sorry or say anything. Like, I don't know. That, that on principle. Dude, I feel like there's, yeah. On principle, you got to say like, I regret it. <laughs> I wish it hadn't played out that way. Like, no. I feel like there's a lane for these young kids, somebody need to create a TikTok account that just shows these plays because they would be in shock. Yo, if the kid, the kid who just decides, nah, I'm gonna be that, right? Like figures out where the sweet spot is on the rules. I guess this was the Kareem Jackson that just put him out for three games because they try to nip this in the bud, right? But just somebody who figures out, I'm gonna be that dude, start showing up to games wearing crazy black outfits and stuff like that. Like you just become the Reaper. You gonna be that dude? There's a market inefficiency here. I cannot believe. I guess. I guess you got safety's got to be able to cover it out because that was the thing before. There was some safeties that all they needed to be was not big enough to be linebackers. <laughs> yep, that's it. You were too small to play linebacker. Like, okay, well, I guess you a safety then. No, it don't work that way no more. Right now, it's like you a little big for safety. Guess you better play linebacker. Is it? It goes the other way. Yeah, ch- safety had a lot of Charles Oakleys. Back in the day, like, yeah, eventually he got himself a 17 footer. But before that, I was just all heart, baby, all heart, all heart. And I make you not want to, I make you not want to do your job. You're right, though. It's just, you you just got to do it once or twice and make sure it's high profile so people see it. Because it's not about doing it every week. It's about threatening to do it. You go ahead and take that fine once or twice. And then, you know what? Ain't nobody running them routes because ain't nobody left in the league that has to that's only job is to run them routes. There's somebody who can take a couple fines and then just stand out there and say, you know, I'm crazy enough. I'm just crazy enough to take that 15 yarder. Throw me out. I don't care. Yo, and it's crazy. The NFL eliminated that in real time. It was eliminated in the 2012 season, right? Cause that's when the Steelers took forever for them to adjust. And I remember this when Ryan was still playing Ryan Clark. And I hit him. And I was like, yo man, they asked for a lot. He's like, nah, man, we just got to do it. Right. Like this is, by the way, the same season that Kyle Shanahan inexplicably sent Robert Griffin on a go route. And I forget which non quarterback threw the ball up in the air to him. And I just saw like you could look at it back on the replay and you can see the moment it dawned on Ryan Clark. I have a chance to kill a man. (laughs) Talk about them players. Those players who had one job. Yeah. Ryan was one of them guys. (laughs) Ryan was one of them guys. Troy was out there with his long hair doing the fun stuff. Ryan was out there taking out the trash. That Willis McGahee situation. Like, there's like 12 plays that just pop into my mind that say that there's a a can't go back in all those guys that is consistent. That's like, hey. Hey, we if we both gotta go, we both gotta go. But what ain't gonna happen is you gonna come around here and not remember it, or you might forget it. But you gonna remember it. Your body gonna remember the, it. The only reason Troy wasn't one of those dudes is because Troy could do so many other incredible things. Like Troy sure. took that ethos and just applied it to this. Don't ask me how I know <laughs> what's funny. about to happen. I just do. Okay. <laughs> I've never talked to Troy at all the way that I talked to Ed about it. But the thing about talking to Ed is like he just don't tell you. But it is a result of a lot of preparation, a lot of experience, and a supercomputer of a football brain. 
I don't know. Troy, it sure seemed like a feeling. <laughs> like he was just up there, like, yeah, I feel like getting in the A gap right now and then sprinting out to the flat. <laughs> What's gonna happen? I don't know. Sure thing, I'll take it. It's like the most because there's so much preparation for every game, that like wild card ability is like it, it it gives an offensive element to the defense that you rarely get where it's like we are going to dictate to you and then the offense comes up to the line and like oh sh- we ain't, we've seen this formation before but we never seen him here before all right let's check out of this deep play that we was trying let's just run the ball to be safe but then he do some other stuff like it's a, it's a weapon that's another weapon over coaching these dudes let some people be free this one play, hey, you a rover. Do whatever the hell you want. He's the walking definition of instinct. Like, I was talking something about the Falcons, and they instinct for losing. I was like, the Falcons is like, what if Troy Palomalu was a bunch of losers? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they, they, you know, they just, right just, right just sense it out. They just, they just, they just, they just got a feeling on what they got to do to lose. And then they go ahead and they do that. Speaking of that tremendous division what's up with um did you see last week Derek Carr fighting with his old lineman I did see they that was yelling at him thre- yeah oh dude and Derek Carr out there playing with broken ribs they afraid to put Javis in because then Javis might be better than him and then they gonna be stuck paying him all that money to be on the bench like Derek Carr is the nicest man in the world you know how sick of his play they have to be to be screaming at him it was bad it was bad he was like upset after I think he was getting sacked or something and he got upset. He's like, ho, 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 ho. Old Lyman looked at him like, hey, pipe down. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to pipe you down. Pipe down. You Yo, doing? You ain't doing anything great yourself. Maybe it's because he's wearing that fade, but they normally only buck back like that at the brothers. <laughs> not, not no more. Derek Carr has uh, worn them down. Oh, oh what a time. Man, we wasn't even sure we was going to talk about on Fosburg Friday, but that is Dominique Fosburg. Check him out on the Dominique Fosburg Show, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. My man, greatly appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right. And Sean, we got the prize picks for the people who need picks for the prize. We sure do. Let's hopefully win some money for the good people out there. NFL big Sunday of uh, football action. Amon St. Brown, six and a half receptions. I'll take more there. Joe Flacco, 0.5 interceptions. He's 38. He's got to throw at least one pick in that game against the Bears. Jalen Hurts, one and a half touchdowns. I'm taking more there. And Jameer Gibbs, 26 and a half receiving yards. Let's go more uh, for that young uh, electric running back. All right. And uh, voicemails. We need the voicemails from you wonderful people. Basically, what I would like you to do is to tell us about like a Christmas miracle, except it's like the opposite of a Christmas miracle. Like I need a Christmas disaster from you. Can you tell us about your favorite Christmas disaster? The telephone number is 323-596-7767. If that disaster is a gift you bought for your lady that you thought was going to be the bomb and turned out not to be, that is the best kind of Christmas disaster of all. 323-596-7767. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. That's Sean. You handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Uh, remember, subscribe, like, Follow the right time. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Take it easy.